Welcome to Series 2 of Finding Home, a podcast series about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. This podcast is presented by the Irish American Archive Society of Cleveland, Ohio. Series 2 features interviews of Clevelanders talking about an array of topics relating to the history of the Irish in our city. Please excuse any variation in audio quality as these interviews have been conducted over the phone and over Zoom. Support for Series 2 of Finding Home comes from the Michael Talty and Helen Talty Charitable Trust. Thanks so much for listening, and please enjoy. Hello, everyone. It's Margaret Lynch, Executive Director of the Irish American Archives Society. Welcome to our podcast series, Finding Home. I'm here today with Marilyn Madigan. Marilyn has held offices at every level of the Ladies Ancient Order of Hibernians in Cleveland and the state of Ohio, and now she's the National Vice President of the Ladies Ancient Order of Hibernians. And I asked her to come on the podcast today to tell us a little bit about the Ladies Ancient Order of Hibernians. Marilyn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Margaret, for having me. It's great to have you. Um, in my research, I know that the Men's Ancient Order of Hibernians dates way back to the 1830s, founded to protect Irish Catholics in America, and had made its way to Cleveland by the sort of years after the Civil War, 1860s and early 1870s. But the ladies' ancient order of Hibernians had a much later start, I think. Can you tell us a little bit about how the ladies got their start? Yes, uh, the ladies started at the convention in Omaha, Nebraska, in May of 1894. Not till 1894. 1894. Wow. And checking through some of the literature, the first president said that in May of that year, when it was held in Omaha, they wrote about that some ladies had the tenacity to ask permission to organize an auxiliary of the ancient order of Hibernians. And their principal object would be helping, again, to promote the three great principles of the parent body and be a true auxiliary in the true sense of the word. And the AOH, and they write, write like all good, tender-hearted Irishmen, I presume could not refuse the ladies and the privilege was granted, but they thought that no doubt they would never hear from the women again. Well, they were surprised because as soon as they went home to their own areas, it was documented in the Irish Standard in August of that year that one of the first auxiliaries that was established was in Hennepin County, Minnesota. And who would have thought a place like Minnesota in the Midwest would be the first division that we recognize? I mean, when we have so many Irish and Irish born on the East Coast. And I know that uh, in doing research, the earliest I can see that there was a division in Ohio was in 1907. And I believe Cleveland was one of the first. And I know that's when a, a very strong woman, Adele Christie, became a member, was in 1907. As soon as she became a member, she became very active because the first time we see her being on the national board was in 1912. So uh, if she first got involved in 1907 and 1912, that's what, like five years? Five years. Or, you know. So it only took her five years to sort of make her presence known on the national scene. Interesting. And can you tell us more about her, Marilyn? I know that you've done, you're trying to uh, trace her tracks 
I'm actually trying to uh, trace her tracks because I know she probably still has relatives somewhere here in um, the Cleveland area, but it's been very difficult. I know she was buried from St. Paul's Church and we did visit oh, her grave. So she mm -hmm. is buried in Calvary Cemetery. Okay. But in the National Hibernian, there was an article portraying her leadership. And in the article, it said that Mrs. Adele Christie is large in physique, large in spirit, and large in intellect. No difficulty is so complex as to daunt her courageous optimism, and no situation disturbs her equanimity. Not only does the bright side of life display herself to calm outlook, but the most gloomy pessimism vanishes ashamed before her humor. All kinds of members and officials are needed in the upbringing of the higher civilization, she used to say, and in societies, which are organized units of nations and communities. And uh, I know that she was very active. She flourished in the ladies auxiliary and she was on the board and she set her work to building up the ladies and anything she was involved in. Her enthusiasm would blossom over to other people and her associates decided to, to join her in whatever, whatever she did. So she was good at gathering other people. This write-up of her that you're um, referring to appeared in a national Hibernian yes, magazine, which, which is was that the correct? journal from the ancient order of Hibernians. And at that mm -hmm. point, the ladies always had a front page, but uh, I know she went to many, she went to many uh, events throughout and they always remark about her uh, commitment to her faith and her heritage and that she was a little bit of a performer. She used to sing at some of these events. People look forward to those things. So I think all around, she is somebody that I think we'd want to, would have been an interesting character to have known. To know. So Marilyn, at that time, like in the early 1900s, um, 1910s, how did the ancient order of Hibernians and the ladies ancient order of Hibernians, how did they connect nationally? You've talked, there's a newsletter that you're referring to. And I think you said, referred earlier to a convention. Can you tell us more about the convention and the newsletter as ways of people knowing what's going on across the country? Well, when you paid your dues, part of your dues went into the, it was called the National Hibernian at that time. Even today, the men's part of their dues goes into the, the National Hibernian Digest. But the ladies' dues do not because back at this time, the majority were married to members of the AOH, whereas today, not mm -hmm. all members are, are married. So if you want, the ladies want to have a subscription, we subscribe ourselves. Oh, wow. So the auxiliary idea was that these were women who were married to Hibernian men and were wanted to support their husbands and their men in the activities. Wow, that's a big change from then to now, but we'll we'll get to the changes in a minute. So Adelia's husband must have been involved at some point, but uh, he's less prominent than her, so it seems we, she we rose don't to see prominence. Any, I have not seen anything where he was actually a member. Oh, okay, okay. I've been involved in doing a little bit of research into her past, and her husband was uh, a butcher, a meat seller, I think. 
So he must have been a little bit successful. Anyway, they must have been on solid ground financially. And that probably helped her be able to do all this traveling that she did. So she must have started going to those conventions every year? At that time, they were held every year. And they were being held all over the country. And they also had state conventions. So you'd have a state and a national convention in the same year. I think right. after uh, 1918, where the national convention was called off because of the Spanish flu pandemic, and they elected to keep all the national leadership in the same positions For the next year, for the next year. During this current pandemic, uh, because of the technology, we elected to have a virtual convention. So we did have elections of new officers, unlike what they had in 1918. And Adele Christie was in the leadership during that time. So she did serve serve an extra year. What level did she reach in terms of the national ranks, Marilyn? She was national secretary, vice president, and then was elected president in 1921. Elected president. Wow. So she really threw herself into this and really must have committed to going to all the conventions, etc. Yeah. And so another part of my research, I found a her passport application. And I think it was from 1921. So she's going to Ireland at that time. And uh, she's probably going in her official capacity as president then, or possibly. At, at that period of time, Mary McWhorter, a little bit prior to that, was the national president. She was from Chicago. They did lead a delegation and they went over to Rome for the beatification of St. Oliver Plunkett. So oh, I would not be surprised okay. if Adele Christie wasn't part of that delegation. As well. Huh. Wow. So what year is the newsletter article that you referred to at the beginning of the um, podcast? What year was that, that was article written? That was around her? 1919. But uh, an interesting thing, too, was also around that period, we had three very strong leaders from 1910 to 1922 when Adele Christie's presidency was over. They were Ellen Ryan Jolly, Mary McWhorter. Ellen Ryan Jolly was from um, Rhode Island. Mary McWhorter was from uh, Chicago. And then Adele Christie was from Cleveland, Ohio. These women had such prominence and must have been very outspoken on issues because they addressed a congressional committee in 1919 about the Irish question. And it was a two-day event, and only five women spoke at this event. It was the former president, Ellen Ryan and Jolly, and then it was the current president. And then Adele Christie actually went, which I thought was very interesting. She was representing the United Irish Societies of Northern Ohio. Ah, okay. Not just the Ladies' Ancient Order of Hibernians. She was active in other other ways in Cleveland. Yes. She also, got to remember back at this time period, Eamon de Valera was coming over from Ireland to try to encourage to fundraise. the uh, right. Irish to support the recognition of an Irish Republic. He addressed the convention back in 1919. It was held down in San Francisco. He addressed the Hibernian Convention? The Hibernian Convention. And then oh, he went okay. to different groups. But moving fast forward a couple of years, 
at a convention, the women came out against the treaty and the men were for the treaty. So the, wow. the two bodies split. That must have been very contentious. That must have been a, quite a convention there. <laughs> Adele Christie also, Eamon de Valera, when he was here, he had an association for, started, the Association of the Recognition of the Irish Republic. Adele Christie was one of the national directors. So she was very much an Irish Republican. Right. And uh, being uh, one of the national directors, meaning she was one of the, I think, the founding council of it, you know, part of the sort of, she was there on the ground floor. Uh, yes, she and was. And subsequent, yeah, because of her involvement, then Eamon de Valera knew that he had some potential support in Cleveland and the uh, Association of it's a very complicated name. American Association for the Recognition of the Irish Republic had a very active chapter here in Cleveland. I'm only thinking, presuming that Adelia Christie was a big part of that being active here in Cleveland and Eamon de Valera then focusing on Cleveland as a place to come and communicate with. I, I would agree with you because especially if Eamon de Valera looked at the um, congressional record She's quoted in there saying that we asked Mr. Chairman only for a free Ireland. We asked it in conjunction with all the other small nations. Ireland may be allowed to work out her own development, to look after her own interest and be governed and directed by a government of her own people. So I could see him seeing that quote and saying, this is a woman that I need to get involved. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then her going taking a passport out to go to Ireland. I mean, I, I know, you know, perhaps she was with the delegation to Rome earlier, but the specific application that I've seen indicates that she's going to go to Ireland. You know, of course, we don't know what happened during that trip, but I can only imagine a meeting with um, Eamon de Valera, which would have been fruitful. So Marilyn, she's doing this both as a Hibernia, ladies Hibernian, and an activist in nationalist support of nationalism, Irish nationalism. But there's a lot of overlap uh, then in the people who are involved in the Hibernians in Cleveland and the American Association for the Recognition of the Irish Republic. And Adele Christie, of course, is one of those overlapping people. But there were other people in Cleveland, especially among women, who were overlapping members of those two. And, and I think one of the things you said earlier was important that she was a person who got other people around her active. She was not only active on her own, but she got other people active. Do you, can you tell us a little bit about some of the people that she might have activated here in Cleveland? Well, I'm going to um, share another quote, because when she was uh, the national president, she said about membership. And we all know membership with our organization and also any other organization is very important. And she says, let me emphasize then a few things to which I would like to have your state convention pay particular attention. In the first place, the delegates should devise ways and means to increase the membership in your state. I do not know a, a more effective way to increase the membership than for the mothers in our organization to see it that their daughters become members when they reach the proper age. And I know that's very true in the Hibernians in Cleveland because we've had many mothers that had 
their daughters and then their granddaughters become members, one of which is you, Margaret. And I think that's what helps the Cleveland ladies grow so much. I mean, we, we have families mm-hmm. like the Reynolds or as Mary Reynolds. Right. Then we had Eileen Reynolds Wallenhorst. They came to my mind immediately as soon and, as you were talking yet, about that. And then we yeah. also have Betty Murphy and mm-hmm. then Joan and Sheila, uh, Joan Crawford. Right, her daughters. Right. And uh, Sheila Crawford, you know, and then unlike them, I became a member first and then my mother and then my aunts joined and then my cousins joined. So it is, again, the women wanting to pass on their love for their heritage, their faith and their principles, they encourage people to join organizations. And I know that Adele was a member of Division II, and they were absorbed into our division many, many years later. But there was another division on the east side. They had fantastic leadership in there, and that was uh, Mary Kate Duffy who organized that division. And from that division really came the establishment of the Irish Cultural Garden because of Mary Kay Duffy. Another thing back in the 1958, 1958, the LAOH, we had a county board structure at that time. We were one of the founding Mm -hmm. members of the United Irish Societies of Cleveland that puts on our parade Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. And from that, one of our members was Division Five member, Danine O'Reilly. She was the first ever executive woman director Mm-hmm. And then right. we do have a second member from our within our organization, Shannon Corcoran, that was who's at, very active. She's one of our officers now. Linda Carney is who is the current has been a member off and on, but she's very active in the Irish American Club East Side. So again, it's women getting involved and sharing their knowledge. Right, and getting involved in multiple organizations and and kind of bringing these organizations together. You, I want to dwell a little bit or stop a little bit on Mary Kay Duffy. In some ways, she's kind of like the heir to Adele Christie in some certain ways, uh, though she's way younger than Adele. But she takes up with the Association for the Recognition of the Irish Republic and is very active in a lot of things. She had a radio show, kind of like Jerry Quinn's Sunday radio show now, a precursor to it. And as Marilyn, as you just said, she took the lead in spearheading Irish participation in the cultural garden. And there was also in the uh, 1930s, a theater of nations with nationality plays, and she spearheaded the Irish community's participation in that. So she was part of Division 10, Marilyn? Well, you know what? I don't, she was eventually, but... The oldest division currently in the city by charter would have been Division 5. We were chartered in 1946. Mm-hmm. And then to mm-hmm. Division 10, I'm not sure exactly when their charter was. But within the Hibernians, you have the divisions. And then if you had a division, more than one division in your area, you had to form a, a county board. And usually it was the same women being officers of both. Mm-hmm. So going back to Mary Kate Duffy, I think she probably was a member of Division Two at one point, which was the division that was out of St. John's Cathedral. And that's also where Adele Christie came from. Adele. 
And I think mm -hmm. there was a growth in the order with Mary Kay being an East Sider. They had an East Side division. And that was way before mm -hmm. Division 10. So I think it probably evolved later at a later date into Division 10. I'm not completely up to date on their history. But I know back when I joined, Division 2 had just, they disbanded at that time and they joined Division 5. So we had the two divisions, 5 and 10, one on the west side, one on the east side. But we were working very closely together as a county. And we were instrumental in saying, instead of having divisions disband and have to give up their charter, give up all the things that was important to them, because our motto is friendship, unity, and Christian charity, let's take the first two words, friendship. We're friends already because we both have the love of this organization. We see that one division may be struggling. Instead of having them disband and give up everything, why don't we unite with a merger? So it was really mm -hmm. the Cleveland divisions, five and 10, that put it forward to our national level that divisions could merge. And at okay. that time, we were really grandfathered in because we didn't have to give up our, our charters. We you know, had to form a new group of officers, we combine our, our treasuries. But, you know, Margaret, you with the Irish American Archives, you know that now that we're dealing with a lot of government regulations, moving forward, those divisions that disband or decide to merge, they have to get a new um, EIN number. Tax, and yeah, tax ID, so right. And they need a whole new name and then they yeah. get a new charter. So, I mean, we're blessed that uh, we still are operating under our original charter, Division 5. Mm -hmm. um, do you guys have a division number now that you merged? We're, divi or... we're Division 5 and 10. Oh, still. And okay. going back to our mm -hmm. mothers, speaking of your mom, right? we're all like, you know, people look at us and go, oh, they're the Kreskis, the 5 and Dime store. <laughs> you know, none of us really like that identity, but we were happy with Division 5 slash 10. And a lot of divisions honor former members or deceased members by naming it after them. Well, as we talked about all these ladies, we had a lot of strong, independent women that made us who we are. How do we choose? Do we name the division after Beatrice Lynch or Mary Ryan or Mary O'Leary or Adele Christie? If we did that, we take away what the contributions of the other women were. So we didn't want to do that. And again, Adele highlights our mother. And we all know that our mother is the Blessed Virgin. And we had a member come up and say, why don't we call ourselves the Our Lady of the Rosary Division? Because we're Division 5. There's five decades of the Rosary. And there's 10 Hail Marys in each decade. And it was the brainstorm of Donna Leary, who is a current member of ours. And when the gleam in your mother's eyes at that meeting and the smile across her face just sealed it for all of us. It was like, how can we not name ourselves the Our Lady of the Rosary Division? And that's what we go by now. That was an excellent compromise. Uh, and you've mentioned a couple of specific names along the way. 
and they were very strong and they were the people of, of my youth, let's say the people that I regarded as the Hibernians at that time. And it was my grandmother. Of course, my grandfather was a Hibernian, but you know, he died when I was about 10 years old. So for me, the Hibernians were the ladies, Hiber ladies auxiliary at that time. But when you talk about my mom got involved because of my grandmother. My grandmother uh, didn't drive and needed somebody to take her to the meetings. And my mom really got involved to support my grandmother. And so you're right, it was a family affair. But even in speaking about that, the women of the 1960s were a good example of what you're saying, Marilyn, about the beginning was women who were married, who were wives and mothers. But there were a lot of single women in my younger years that were very strong and had become leaders as well. Uh, I'm thinking about Mary Ellen Murphy, for example, East Sider, again, who also, like Adele Christie, like Mary Kay Duffy, she was a little bit younger than Mary Kay Duffy, but she was also very involved in the American Association for the Recognition of Irish Republic, and so was her brother, and they were both involved in local Democratic Party politics as well, but she had a scrapbook with telegrams from Eamon de Valera to her brother as a national officer for the recognition organization. She never married, but she was a strong, stalwart Hibernian in my youth. Mary O'Leary, uh, another Mary Ryan, I don't believe ever married. I don't know who else. There's lots of people. I shouldn't forget anyone, but, you know. But we are blessed that we've had all these women in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to reiterate or circle back, so there were these different divisions and they were sort of geographically based. And when I was young, it was still the three, two, five, and 10. And the two was sort of downtown still kind of. And then as Marilyn said, the East and the West. And they came together, sent representatives from each division to the county board. And uh, because they were strong women, there was sometimes... <laughs> sort of battle royales about certain things. I don't even know what, but um, they would sometimes disagree about things. But as you're saying, in the in the belief of the motto, they kept coming together again and again and again. They never gave up the um, coming together part of it. So there was all these, there was sort of a wave of really um, strong people in the 40s, 50s, 60s, into the early 70s. And then there is a moment where things could have fallen apart, except there was an infusion of people that included you, I would say. Well, I grew up in St. Pat's West Park. And right. um, I got really involved in the Irish community because of not making it on the drill team. And then my mother taking me to the West Side IA. And from the West Side IA, I... Uh, marched in the drill team and became active in different things. Oh, you mean you mean you didn't make it into the same? No, Pat's I didn't make it team. into the West St. Pat's West Park drill team. Right. So your mom took you to the West Side IA yeah. and said, maybe maybe you'll get I, in here. I, I got okay. in there and I started. So I made a connection with the Irish community there. I went to nursing school at St. John's College, and the first day we're in the um, cafeteria, and I look at one person and. I go, my God, you look familiar. And she goes, yeah, you do look familiar to me too. And it was Marion O'Donnell. We both knew each other from the West Side Irish American Club's drill team. Became very good friends right. during college. When I got out of college, 
My first job was at University Hospital in Rainbows, Babies and Children's in the pediatric unit. And I'm uh, taking care of a patient and we had a respiratory therapist that came in and her name happened to be Danine O'Reilly. She grew up in St. Pat's, recognized me from St. Pat's and we started talking about different things of the Irish. And I said, well, I was a member of the West Side IA. And she goes, well, you need to join this organization. And she got me into the ladies. At that time, we were an auxiliary. I became a member and then my schedule changed and I could no longer go to meetings as often because I was working evenings and then nights. And then as you are with your friends, you're going out with your friends at different things. And Marion met Kevin and they're happily married for many, many years. Um, I'm privileged to be their oldest son, Mick's godmother. And All right. from my involvement with that, I became not just a member, but I got to be more involved with the actual offices. And I became a, a division president, county president, then worked my way up the state board. And uh, that's how I got involved. So if I have anyone to thank or anyone to blame, it's Danino Riley and Marion O'Donnell running. Marion O'Donnell. Okay. And I think that probably my mom was an important bridge. She was in the in-between generation between my grandmother and Mary Reynolds and this new group coming in and was probably the president when you joined. And then Marilyn, like Adele Christie, I think you have the ability to bring other people along with you and you brought um, some other folks in with you. Can you tell us about the crew that you brought, that you helped to bring in? Well, I brought in my, my family for sure. Mm -hmm. I brought in my mother and my two aunts. And I think an important person I brought into the organization was my cousin, Pat O'Breath, who again mm -hmm. is someone that could have been an entertainer. Uh, she involved people. She loved people. She be, uh, served on the state board. She was also appointed to the National Hibernian as the assistant editor. And that was because of us having the convention here in Cleveland in 1988. Mm -hmm. So Pat Obrath, she died too soon. So didn't get the full benefit of what she perhaps could have done, but she really made a mark in the time that she was there. And then you, various peers of yours started joining and, you know. Well, I also have to um, thank another individual and she's gone way too soon. Um, her name was Audrey Lysak, Polish, that got me back more involved with the Hibernians. I was very active in sports. I played camogie. We mm. went from camogie into soccer and uh, we were members of the Emerald Camogie Club and then we turned into Emerald Soccer Players. And I really And that was probably with Maura O'Leary yeah. and Maura Leffel were involved in that, and, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just getting like disenchanted with our, our team being teammates, you know, like, well, maybe we'll show up, maybe we won't. And I, I don't take that very seriously that you do it or you don't. So um, I quit the Emerald soccer team. My mother got tired of me moping around the house on Sunday afternoons and said to me, that girl across the street, Marianne Vandeveld, a great friend, Hungarian, she plays soccer, wanted to go talk to her. So I talked to her. She brought me into the um, 
German Concordia soccer team. I played, I met Audrey and we were talking one day and Audrey's like, I'm Polish. Marianne is Hungarian. That's on the team is English. You're Irish. How come we're all playing for these Germans? Why aren't you involved with your Irish heritage a little bit more? And so I started getting more involved with that. She attended some of our Hibernian uh, banquets. So I have to thank her again, because she gave me that little push to get, get back in my own ethnic background. And that's what's great about Cleveland is all our ethnic backgrounds and how we all intermingle. We all can be friends. We can all be united on certain things. And because of my love of sports, some of my sports friends joined the Hibernians if they happen to be Irish. I also was involved with the O'Leary Manning School of, of Dance with adult dancers. And some of those individuals joined. I also met individuals on the east side. Colleen Cooney at that time was on the east side. Patty Carney, who now Patty Benke. I met them at an east side Irish American club meeting because my cousin was a priest at St. Paul's out there in Euclid. And I met Patty and Colleen and I got them in. So, I mean, it really is a small world of interconnections that you meet people and then they, they join your organization or you join theirs. Mm-hmm. Right. But there are some people that are uh, glue that sort of help people stick together. And I think you're one of those, Marilyn, and apparently Adele Christie was as well. So, and you, like Adele, have not only been an officer on the local and uh, state level, but you have also been moving up the national ranks of officers. When did you start getting involved in the national organization, would you say? Um, well, in 19, or 19, 2012, our president, Maureen Shelton from Michigan, appointed me to be um, the fundraiser. So I came on as an appointee. And a lot of people in Cleveland always knew that to stay away from me because I always had tickets to sell. So, I mean, she tapped me mm-hmm. right. And then we also have two other national presidents from Ohio, Kathleen Litton from Akron and Carol Shire from Cincinnati. And Kathy Litton, why I was the national fundraiser, got the idea in her mind that I should be on the national board as, as an officer. She sent a few emails to me and kind of told me she wasn't going to take no for an answer. And then the rest is history because I love history. And the first office that I I served was the the National Irish Historian. And I couldn't have asked for a a better period of time because it was uh, the centennial of the 1916 Rising. And I highlighted the women of uh, that period. Yeah, and I helped and, and worked with you uh, to create a display on women's contribution to the support for Irish nationalism in Cleveland, including Adele Christie and Mary Kay Duffy and Mary Ellen Murphy. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a great match. And you also have been involved in administering an annual essay contest um, that's kind of focused on history. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, speaking of getting younger people involved. We do, and that is the job of our national historian. And again, I was in a very historical time, and I think I was the first historian to pick my own topics with the approval of the delegation. And it was the 150th anniversary of my first year of the American Civil War, the end of the American Civil War. So we highlighted the Irish and the Irish Americans on both sides. And then we did the women of 1916. And uh, then it moves on to the next person. But 
through that period, I found um, that one of my predecessors and Adele Christie was involved indirectly in this because she was the president when it was dedicated. Back in World War I, that period of time, the Irish and Irish Americans and Catholics in particular were not always warmly greeted. And we had Ellen Ryan Jolly, who in 1914 made a motion that the women would do a monument to the nuns of the battlefield. And the nuns of the battlefield I'm referring to are the, the American religious sisters. There was 12 orders that served our country on both the Union and the Confederate side in ministering to the wounded and the dying during the American Civil War. And Adele Christie was instrumental in the actual dedication, which happened during her presidency in 1924. But visiting that monument, which is a beautiful monument in, in Washington, D.C., it's across from St. Matthew's Cathedral. And I know there's a picture, picture of many Irish men from the Cleveland area that went there in 1966, and they all posed by that monument with one woman. And I'm trying to figure out who that one woman was. Who that is, right. I know we've identified uh, prominent in the picture because there's a picture of them separately, are Eamon Darcy and Gus Boland. And uh, yes, speaking and of- Joyce. Uh, yeah, okay. And speaking of divisions being named after someone, the men did name their division after Gus Boland and William Barry, uh, Mary Reynolds's brother. And, you know, it's, a, it's a, a balancing act. You want to honor those people who are active, but then as time goes on, their memory recedes and, you know, people forget about who they are. So that's kind of just kind of circling back to the wisdom of the women, choice of name uh, rather than an individual person. But, yeah, there's a huge picture, some unidentified crucial person that you would love to figure out who know, they who were. she is. Right. But yeah, when you go right, to that monument right. and you walk, there's nothing that says who is responsible for the monument or who these 12 orders are. You uh -huh. have to walk behind the monument to see that the ladies' auxiliary of the ancient order of Hibernians is responsible. To me, that's unacceptable. So we put a motion at our convention in 2018 that we would do a wayside marker at that mm -hmm. monument to give a little bit of history of the monument and the orders of nuns. The National Park Service is on board with that because that monument is one of the first monuments dedicated to women ah, in our nation's okay. capital. The wow. other monument that's with women in our nation's capital is the nurses of Vietnam. So again, we have the connection with women, uh, with the medical, with our wars. Nursing. We're in the yeah. process of raising funds for that. We do have a, a, we had a generous donator who um, donated pretty much the funds for the marker itself. I'm reached out to the orders of nuns to get their permission to share their story, also to get some photos. We also, in 2024, which will be right after I hopefully will be ending my presidency, so 100 years after Adele Christie was the president of dedicating that, we will be doing a dedication of the centennial of the, the monument, and uh, we need funds in order to make sure that happens. So, and we did have wow. our national history book on uh, for our 125th anniversary 
some of the proceeds from that are going to help us with that monument. And I have to thank the treasurer of that committee, which is our, is our own Patricia Lavelle, who is keeping all those funds in line so that we can have a, a wonderful celebration in 2024. Patricia Lavelle, who joined Division Two before it was united with Division Five. Yeah, she keeps five, on right? telling so me that she's another bridge. She's another bridge. She's a right? member longer than I was because she belonged to Division Two. For real, <laughs> for real. Um, okay, wow, Marilyn, you just put a lot of stuff down there, uh, which is I, I wanted to return to the national history competition, which is open to. Um, uh, high school students, I believe, to participate and, and win a, a small stipend, scholarship stipend. Uh, but you just said something very important, and it brings us full circle. Marilyn is now the vice president, national vice president. And the reason she's confident in, <laughs> about becoming president is that the tradition in the organization is to move up those office ranks and vice president not quite rad, you know, it's, it hasn't been voted on or approved yet, but we have every reason to believe that Marilyn will be following Adele Christie's footsteps 100 years later, and how fitting that you hope and plan for one of your uh, main projects to be to create an appropriate marker for a monument that she helped bring to fruition. So Marilyn, we're with you. We hope you see that day, uh, and I hope that Clevelanders rally to help support that. We're kind of out of time now, but we've been uh, had such a great conversation. I'm not sure that we covered everything we could have, but that's okay. Thank you so much, Marilyn. You've really done a lot for this community, both in the Hibernians and you know in the United Irish Society as as a deputy director and longtime delegate, and. I do believe, like Adele Christie, you're bringing other people with you and you're going to bring us in to the national scene in terms of Cleveland presence in the Hibernians. And we just want to thank you for all you've done here. Thank you, Margaret. And, and one, wish you luck. And, and one last plug is um, the ladies on the national board have received a grant from the Immigrant Support Program. And we chose our program of embracing our heritage. And I've been writing articles and we've been taking out ads in uh, the I Irish, and we welcome anyone to do any participation. We had a lovely concert that was hosted by Rita Lally, featuring her daughter and the English's um, new band called Cragen. It's on our Facebook page. So please embrace us and share our heritage with us. Thank you. Thanks, Marilyn, and good luck. Thank you. Thanks for joining Finding Home, the Irish American Archives Society's podcast series about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. Find more on the IAAS website at irisharchives.org. The Irish American Archives Society is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to research, present, and preserve information about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. Thank you for listening.